world's favorite game, let's go! Back on the other side with another episode of World's Favorite Game. Hope you guys are all doing well. I'm doing well myself, thank you for asking. <laughs> it's been a huge weekend for sport. Last weekend we had, uh, well not last weekend, this weekend, we just had Spence versus Crawford. Shout out to Crawford for getting the dub. As I'm recording right now, we've got the Belgium Grand Prix on. Come on, Lewis. And of course, we've got a whole lot of football to talk about. That's why we're here. We've got some major headlines. As usual, we've got the biggest brands and the headlines are Wenger has a statue erected at Arsenal Football Club. Leo Messi has another incredible game against Atlanta in his first start for Inter Miami. Juventus have been banned by UEFA and we've also got El Clasico to talk about. So those are the big uh, headlines. Of course, we've got the running theme, which is probably going to be the story of the summer these antics that are going on in Saudi. Um, and uh, the Women's World Cup is on as well. Man, I mean, as I'm sitting here in front of the mic, I can't help but think back to the last episode and that crazy story we had from Brazil. Man, that was absolutely bonkers. Uh, you know, with the president and the referee and the referee's wife. Um, yeah, uh, I haven't got anything crazy like that to talk about this week. Um, but... Um, Let's hope, uh, let's hope we don't get anything too crazy in the future either. But yeah, let's get into it, man. Let's dive into it. I'm excited. Like I said, we've got the biggest names, biggest brands. We've got BBC. We've got ESPN. I was a little bit all over the place because I clicked on one of these links and something else popped up. And it looks like what's happened is BT Sports or formerly BT Sports, which is now TNT Sports, has bought out Eurosport. It kind of looks like that because uh, I'm clicking on Eurosport links. And TNT Sports is loading up, so that's happened. Uh, but yeah, we've got BT, we've got TNT, we've got Sky, we've got ESPN, all the big names. Uh, one of my favorite publications is Euronews. Shout out to them. They've got a little bit of sports that we can talk about here. Um, we've got Yahoo Sports. We threw them in the mix, getting their Yahoo. Uh, a little something from Fox Sports. Um, great piece from The Guardian. And Marker as well. I'm absolutely loving what Marker are doing because uh, they've got this scrolling feature where other related articles keep popping up in the feed. It's amazing. I'm, I'm super excited about reading more English content from Marco and they're doing more than football, which is cool as well. But yeah, let's get into it, man. I spent way too long in this intro, haven't I? Let's dive into the stories. And I think it's only right if we do ladies first. Ladies first. Where's my manners? Let's go. So England won, Denmark nil. Lauren James scores a stunner and gives the lionesses the win but kira will stretch it off with injury that's the headline from tnt sports didn't actually watch this game myself but super proud of the lionesses for keeping the wins going that's two victories they've gotten now um hopefully they're going to be doing well and winning this world cup lauren james i think that's uh reese james's reese james of chelsea his sister um so reese james the james family must be really proud you know they've got two professional footballers uh playing for england playing at the highest level absolutely smashing it come on you lionesses that's a great result um 
we've also got um, I've got my links in the wrong order now haven't I um, but anyway we've also got this Germany versus Colombia match right so I was watching that just while I was preparing to record right and um, there's this teenager who I think is going to be one of the up and coming stars in women's football right her name is Linda Caicedo and uh, she's a Colombian teenager and she's got an interesting backstory because she actually had cancer she was diagnosed with cancer and that's like an uphill battle for anybody to fight isn't it that is really a really um like the people who come back from cancer you know we refer to them as cancer survivors don't we and so someone's really gonna have to have some some heart and some grit and some determination to fight back from that and she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer at the age of 15 um and she's come back from that and here she is 18 years old playing for her country in the world cup and on top of that she also plays for real madrid and she's got some kind of record here. I've got an article here from ESPN where they said uh, she became the youngest player to score in this World Cup when Colombia beat South Korea 2-0. Um, and she scored today when I was watching the game. She popped up with a goal uh, against Germany. And she just looks like this, the kind of player that's got really good timing. The kind of thing that Freddie Youngberg was so good at doing for Arsenal. Just timing the runs darting into the box getting on the end, end of things and she cut in she darted into the box uh there was a shot from one of her teammates the ball ended up falling to her and she just showed some really good feet to beat a defender and then to place the ball into the top bin she's quality i'm really looking forward to watching uh young caicedo and seeing how her career turns out it's great that she managed to come back from uh, that little uh, health scare. Not a little health scare. That's probably the biggest thing that somebody would face in their life, you know. Um, so, yeah, huge shout out to Kaiseido. Um, swiftly moving on, I've got another article here. This one from Sky Sports, which has a schedule. So if anybody out there wants to keep in... Uh, keep up to date with what's going on in the Women's World Cup. Uh, if you didn't have some kind of a calendar or anything like that sorted out already, well, you've got a little resource now. I'm going to put that in the show notes so you can see all of the fixtures. It looks like they're updating it in real time. So you're going to see the fixtures. You're going to see the results. Um, and I've bookmarked it. So if you want to bookmark it, this might be a useful resource for you guys. Um, I can see that um, England are going to be playing China and... Uh, in group d that's on august the 1st so that's a couple of days from now and it's not too long till the quarterfinals get started um so things are heating up things are really heating up and england are looking good let's go lionesses on from that on to one of my favorite stories well you know let's not mess about this is literally my favorite story the great arsene wenger has had a statue unveiled at the Emirates Stadium. Now, if you know about Arsene Wenger, you know that he is one of the greatest football managers in the history of the sport. Revolutionized English football. Everybody started seeing what he was doing and then copying his methods. And that's kind of, I think he's kind of, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that he's like a foundation in how English football is set up today. 
like with the attacking fullbacks and bringing in players with skills and really good technique and the way that he focused on youth development all the clubs are doing it they're all doing it and it's all Arsene Wenger so a huge shout out to him and I think it's a great moment for Arsene a great moment for the fans to see this statue outside the stadium because he is a living legend and he deservedly deservedly should get a statue we all wanted one um, we've all been debating about what this statue should be me personally I always felt like it should be finger lifting the trophy and it should be the gold trophy as well they didn't make the trophy gold but it is a trophy lift which is fantastic that's exactly what I wanted to see um, and yeah the man's got history you know I've got this article directly from the arsenal.com website where they talk about this uh, this truly remarkable announcement you know, they tell us that uh, Arsene Wenger came in October 1996 and left in May 2018. So that's a solid 20-year tenure there. Uh, they say he's won seven FA Cup titles, seven FA Cup titles and three Premier League titles, including going a whole season unbeaten. Let's not forget that. I know uh, neutrals might start rolling your eyes, especially Tottenham fans. You are going to start rolling your eyes. But let's not forget that Arsenal have a different kind of Premier League title and also that Arsenal went a whole season unbeaten, which is a feat that nobody has managed to equal yet. Yeah, Everybody thought last season Manchester City were going to do it. Well, guess what? They might have won the treble, but they didn't go unbeaten. How about that? The Arsenal Invincibles, led by Arsene Wenger. What a team that was. And look at his record, man. We're talking 10 titles over the span of about 20 years. So it's pretty much every other season this guy's bringing home silverware, if you kind of average it out. Just, what can you say about that? That's legendary stuff. That is absolutely fantastic. So, you know, a huge shout out to Arsene Wenger. Total of 49 leagues matches without a defeat. A top flight record. Also goes down as the FA Cup's most successful manager in the history of the competition. Like, come on. Like, come on. He's literally a living legend. That's no exaggeration. He is Arsene Wenger. And he has a bronze statue outside the Emirates. I can't wait to go down there and to have a look at it. I'm going to have to take a picture I'm sure everyone's doing that now. I'm sure it's really busy at the Emirates Stadium this weekend. Uh, and yeah, it's just oh, it's just a great moment. There's some quotes here from the uh, from Tim Lewis, the executive vice chairman, and uh, and also from the manager, Mikel Arteta. Uh, so yeah, I'll leave you guys to to read that. I want to read out all of the juicy bits of info from that article. You guys can go and get that. That's another one in the show notes. Moving on. Uh, moving on to, you know, the man of the moment, the man of the hour, the person that everybody loves, Lionel Messi. This this Leo Messi guy, yeah. The fairy tale just continues. Just when you might have thought he might start slowing down, going to another league, um, and you know, there's a lot of young players in there running around. He won't be able to. No, he just keeps keeps on smashing it. Scored on his debut came off of the bench to score the winning goal beautiful free kick like typical typical Leo Messi quality finish on that one and all the stars were out to see him all the stars like there was a 
uh, celebrities like Kim Kardashian, literally, she is the celebrity, yeah? So Leo Messi's the GOAT of football and Kim Kardashian, the GOAT celebrity, she was there to take it in. And you know what? I quite like that she's doing this... Um, the soccer mom thing now she's taking her kids around and they're going to all these football stadiums i feel like it's a it's a really cute kind of thing going on there it's a really good look for kim and her family i'm really happy about that man that's awesome and um it wasn't just the goat celebrity that came to see the goat football it was goats from other sports as well lebron james was in attendance serena williams was in attendance like these are people you know like real recognized real you don't you know what it was there like the real recognized real i'm a goal you're a goal like i got covered see you now that you're in the mls and i'm hoping this kind of thing continues i'm hoping that every time messi plays there's going to be more impressive people in the crowd because he played against atlanta in his second match right and it was the same kind of thing there was the celebrities were in the house uh p diddy was in the house um, DJ Khaled so this could be quite like a fun narrative to to kind of talk about all of the celebrities that are coming down to see Leo Messi play and maybe we can even find some little interviews with them talking about how much they enjoyed the game and everything that would be kind of cool but yeah I mean watching the game I thought the game was fantastic oh almost forgot there was a another little moment in the match before the match where uh, you know when everyone's lining up and they're playing the music, they're doing the anthems and shaking hands and all that stuff. The mascot for Inter Miami was actually DJ Khaled's child. And, the you know, the little boy, uh, bless him, he was a little bit upset and Leo was standing by him and consoling him and stuff. Like, it's just like, oh, you're getting all these little moments that are happening. These are the things that the fans love and, you know, people cherish little moments like that. Um... I'm sure uh, in the DJ Khaled household, they'll look back on that memory like, oh, do you remember when you was a kid and you was the mascot and you were crying and Leo Messi was consoling you? It's like, <laughs> cute stuff, man. Um, but yeah, when you get Leo Messi on the pitch, there ain't nothing cute about that. He was an absolute beast. I wish I could uh, have this article for you guys. I'm going to put it in the show notes, but you're going to need a subscription to be able to see. It is an absolutely incredibly well-written article published in The Athletic looks like Michael Dom Domininski. Am I saying his name right? Dominski? Sounds like a Polish name. It's Michael Dominski. It's something like that, you know? Dodgy Eastern European accent, whatever. Um, so, yeah, he wrote a brilliant article which kind of chronicles, it was almost like a minute-by-minute minute detailed account of what happened in the game and he mentioned all of the celebrities and the sidelines and all of this stuff. If you guys can can get a uh, an athletic subscription, you can read that. Uh, and uh, yeah, this is where I go into the Yahoo Sports one where they covered the match. They've got a, a couple of clips from the game. I might just play one of them now in the background when I'm talking. Um, you know, you can see the fantastic performance of Leo Messi. This goal, it's like a ball over the top. Messi through one on one, just hits the post, and then he follows up to tuck it in. So, good finish from Leo. Good, like, sort of striker instinct from him there. And uh, in his second goal, it's literally only 20 minutes gone and Messi scored two goals. And his second goal was a great team goal. Like uh, Miami win possession. The ball comes to Messi on the halfway line. He sprays it out to the wing. The winger like gets onto it first time, just puts the ball into the danger area towards the back post. And Messi pops up at the back post, back of the net, 2-0. It's like, 
it's like it was almost like a one-two because Messi picks up the ball, he drives through midfield, he plays it out wide ahead of the player to run onto it. He, he runs onto it. It's just like the vision of Messi and the weighting of his pass was so perfect. The winger just had to run onto it. Didn't even have to take a touch. First touch is to cross it in. And it was like a very well um, balanced cross. You know, he didn't whip it in with too much power or anything. Um, and he just picked out Messi, who made his run from literally the halfway line to into the 18 yard box and just tucked it away like just fantastic football man that was a really good team goal I'm super excited about Inter Miami as you can hear um, they've got all kinds of things going I saw on their website that they've got um, like customised Inter Miami licence plates now like, I mean that kind of thing's illegal in the UK but I guess that's legal in the States you can have like a pink licence plate with the Inter Miami branding on it that's kind of cool man I wish I could do that but um also shout out to Taylor Taylor scored two goals and he was the one that set up Messi with that ball in uh, from the wing as well so Taylor it looks like Taylor's raised his game and he's playing amazingly well and he scored two goals in this game maybe Messi's helping to raise the level of all of the players around him you know I mean how would you feel if Leo Messi comes to your club you're going to think oh man I'm playing with the GOAT you're going you're gonna to roll your socks up right I think that's just par for the course there. Everybody's going to be playing out of their skin. And Miami were bottom of the table when Messi got there. And all of a sudden, they've got back-to-back wins. They've got a win in the cup. They've got a win in the league. Um, so, yeah. Actually, it's, excuse me. It's, it's cup. It's cup. It's the um, it's the cup. And the cup is still going on. There's more fixtures uh, coming up for Miami because obviously they're through to the next round. So they'll be playing in the week. And there is also a new signing. There is a new signing at Inter Miami. They signed a young lad called Facundo Farias. Now, I don't know anything about him. I haven't seen him play, but I know he's Argentinian and he's come directly from the Argentina League. So I imagine that, you know, I'd like to think that before Messi signed, they were having talks about what they were going to do at the club. And maybe one of these things is what we're going to do is we're going to bring in some Argentinian players and some players from Barcelona, players that you know, we're going to surround you with quality. And so, you know, having like a young Don straight from the Argentina League, who knows how good this guy could be? He could turn out to be, you know, like the next world-class player playing for Argentina. And he's going to be learning his trade coming up under the GOAT himself so I'm excited to see what Facundo Farias's game is going to be like this is uh, yeah, yeah. I need to stop saying that word because it's going to get boring but this is where I'm at man this is where I'm at it's, it's all big things are going in right now at Inter Miami yep swiftly moving on to another league the story of the summer the Saudi Pro League these guys are not messing around at all are they so what's the latest the latest is Riyad Mahrez yeah Riyad Mahrez leaving Manchester City and signing for a team in the Saudi Pro League like these moves are absolutely mind-blowing it's 30 million so it's not the most money in the world and so for me that kind of raises questions like I think eyebrows can be raised about all of these players I said it on the last episode 
that there is some controversy here that could be talked about. I still haven't done any research into it, so I don't want to talk too much about it. But, you know, the fact that Manchester City is owned by the Saudis and that these players are leaving Manchester City and going to the Saudi league, it does make you wonder what's going on here. Is everything all above board? Some people have been complaining about it already. Um, like I said, I haven't done any research. I have got no opinion. It's just interesting at the moment. Super interesting. Another interesting signing is Alan St. Maximan, right? Leaving Newcastle. Newcastle signed Harvey Barnes now, haven't they? So he can play in their left wing. Good player, Barnes. I like him. Um, they've also got that Gordon who had a fantastic uh, tournament for England in the under-21s. So going to be Gordon and Barnes probably rotating for Newcastle on the left and however else the coach sees fit to use them. But uh, Alan St. Maximan has gone. He's on his way to... Al Ali, which is the same club that Mara's assigned for. So just picture that. You got Saint Maximan on the left cutting in on his right foot. And then you've got Mara's on the right cutting in on his left foot. That is incredible. That's like Mane and Salah, Martinelli and Saka. It's it's like that. That's what they've got going on in the Saudi League. Like, yo, it, if you guys have got a way to watch Saudi matches, hit me up because I still haven't got like a subscription or I still don't know how to watch Saudi league matches. I still don't know a whole lot about that league. So that's uh, on my to-do list to get to grips with that and to watch some of the matches over there and to bring you guys some news about what's going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just mentioned Sadio Mane uh, in this article here from the BBC. Uh, it also talks about Mane being in talks over a move to Al Nassar um, and you know it's just can you imagine like they signed Sadio Mane the Saint Maximan and Mares are over there and all of the names I talked about last week as well uh, Steven Gerrard is managing a club over there now I mean I think Jordan Henderson is there I mean it's like Yo, this league needs to be watched. And some people might actually be a little bit scared. They might be thinking that the Saudi league could be, you know, challenging European dominance. They could be becoming one of the best leagues in the world. I don't know if I'd be that worried about what they're doing there just yet. I think what they would have to do is they would have to level up their young players and be producing top level players from Saudi Arabian football and not just signing everyone from all over the world because all of the top leagues do that don't they um, in Italy they've got good Italian players in Spain they've got good Spanish players in England we've got good English players in Germany they've got good German players so I think Saudi are going to have to fill their league with their own um, Saudi players before they can really be become a top 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 league and then you know when it gets to the point where all of the top teams in Europe have got Saudi players in their teams Maybe now, okay, maybe now you're talking. Maybe now they're really going to start making a dent. Maybe their national team is going to become a threat in the future as well. But at the moment, it's just super interesting. That's the story of the summer, the Saudi revolution. And Mahrez has always been one of my favourite players as well. I'm a huge Mahrez fan. I wish Arsenal signed him. When Leicester won the league, that season there, when they did that, Arsenal should have swooped and we should have got him in, but we didn't. And he ended up going to City, but... Yeah, there you go. Swiftly moving on from one uh, Gulf state to another. We've got an article here in The Guardian 
and the title of it is speculative right they're saying could launch of sovereign fund make kuwait the gulf's next football power it's a really interesting think piece this one because they've kind of delved into history and they've looked at what's going on in the whole gulf region you know they've looked at uh i don't want to talk too much about it you guys can go and read it they've looked at a lot that's going on in the history and in the current time looking at like the government and the politics and what's going on with the money situation over there and they talked about how there's like a monetary fund right so there was a q8 investment authority which was set up in 1953 um and it's one of the biggest it has 800 billion dollars let's think about that let's just think about that figure for a second 800 billion us dollars is the fund for the kuwait investment authority right and apparently they have 100 billion more than the public investment fund of saudi arabia and the public investment fund of saudi arabia the pif pif as uh hip-hop people might say so this pif fund yeah it really is pif isn't it there's a lot of money in that and that fund owns four of their country's biggest clubs right so the pif of saudi arabia owns four of saudi arabia's biggest clubs so if if you put it in terms of like uh uk you could say they own manchester united manchester city uh chelsea and arsenal they just own all four of them that's insane right and um as well as owning that uh they also own Newcastle United. So that's the Saudi Arabia guys, right? But the Kuwaiti guys in their fund, they have $100 billion more than the PIF guys from Saudi Arabia. Think about that for a minute. $100 billion more. Like if you wanted to buy Arsenal Football Club from the Kronkers, you could just break off a couple million, like two a couple billion like yo okay here's two billion give me the club if they want to play hardball maybe double it four billion but 100 billion that's a lot of money man you can do a lot with that and that's what that's just how much more they have than saudi arabia and we've seen how the saudi arabians have been moving recently look what they're doing with their league and look how they own in big clubs in europe and this article is saying Kuwait might be next. They've got more money than Saudi. So it's a really interesting think piece. I'll definitely recommend reading that. Like I say, that's going to be in the show notes. Um, what it says here is uh, Kuwait wants to launch a sovereign fund called the Siada Development Fund. And a, gov- a government document said that it will accelerate the growth of the Kuwait economy, improve the quality of life and bolster transformation and progress in the various fields of development through strategic planning and effective implementation of major development projects so it sounds you know like a global kind of thing like this money will be used for all different kinds of things but football football could be one of their major development projects to develop the qat football yeah so 
Yeah, and uh, what they say in the article here is the kind of language that's been used there is the same kind of language that's been seen and heard elsewhere in the region. And there's a feasibility study expected soon. So when that feasibility study comes out, that's going to be something interesting to look for. Whether they say it is feasible that we can pump billions and billions and billions into football or whether they say, no, we've taken a look and we don't think it's it makes sense. It doesn't make sense for us. It's not feasible. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, but, you know, from the Arab world over to Europe, we've got Juventus. Juventus banned from European football next season. This is a uh, article from Euronews. Um, what can I say? Juventus have been banned. This is a really interesting story for me because what's been alleged here is that Juventus have been accused of false accounting and of increasing their capital by 700 million euros now they can challenge they can challenge UEFA on that um and but what UEFA has done is they decided to just ban them from European competition they said you guys are not going to be in Europe next season it's a really interesting story this one so you know the club president has apparently said that he regrets the decision and he's convinced of the legitimacy of their actions. But then it also says that he's decided not to appeal this judgment. So make of that what you will. They've decided not to appeal. And they've been judged of being guilty of false accounting and increasing their capital by 700 million euros, which is against the financial fair play rules. Yeah? The, uh, the CFCB, the UEFA Club Financial Control Body, has found Juventus guilty of breaking financial fair play rules. Yeah, they say they've provided fictitious information on the amount of player transfers and they've underreported employee spending and salaries. And these movements have allegedly increased the club's capital by 700 million euros. So as a consequence, Juventus are now having to pay a 10 million euro fine. And if the club's accounts do not meet FFP requirements in the next three years, then that fine doubles. Um, so the clubs come seventh in the table. Um, it says uh, earlier in the season they were stripped of ten points in the Italian league, and so you know when you're stripped of ten points, that's obviously going to affect you from that ten points is the difference between winning the league or not, or qualifying for the Champions League or not. You know, and so they finished seven in the league, and they were going to be going in the uh, Europa Conference League, but now they've been stripped of that. And to be honest with you, I kind of feel like this whole thing is a win for Juve, man. Shout out to the Juve fans. The old lady is most definitely winning, because like a club like Juventus, do you want to be winning the title or challenging at least, and trying to win the Champions League or at least just playing in the competition you don't want to be in the Europa Conference League so if they're kicking you out of the Conference League they probably did you a favour and if you made 700 million as they reportedly said you did and they're offering you a 10 million euro fine man just take this 10 million and give me my 690 M's are you crazy that is a deal shake my hand done and done 690 M's please bothered am I bothered no swiftly moving on so we've gone back into Europe 
from Italy over to España. Mm? Now, this is a story that saddens me a little bit because it's about Arda Gula, the Turkish sensation. When I see this lad play, I see little clips of him, right? He reminds me of Martin Odegaard in the way that he moves. Like the way he moves, it, he looks like such an incredibly talented player on the ball. Just looks gifted, man. He looks different. Like I'm not seeing other players move like that and be able to contort his body to fool the opposition. But you know, he can just do like a little body feint, and the play the player goes one way and he goes the other way. Like and it just looks effortless. Like he he just looks like one of those naturally gifted footballers. Signed for Real Madrid, still a teenager. I was super excited to see him make his debut. I really wanted to see him play. And he's picked up an injury. And uh, I've got this article in marker here that says it's a meniscus injury. That's a horrible one. I've had some knee injuries and some problems with my meniscus before too. And I know that that stuff is horrible. These aren't like, oh, you're just going to be back in a couple of weeks kind of injuries. This could be really bad news. So... I'm hoping for the best for the young lad, uh, but it's not looking good. Um, although Ancelotti confirmed in a press conference that he won't be playing in the Classico, but he might have some minutes against Juventus. Um, but then when the tests came out, it, it's just not it's just not looking good. Um, so at the moment, they're not sure if it's a cartilage tear. He's going back to Madrid for treatment. Um, and you know they don't want to do surgery we'll see they don't want to give us a timetable either because they're saying it's all going to depend on how the player responds and stuff like that so well good luck to the young lad let's hope uh, he gets back on his feet quickly and we get to see him shining for Real Madrid that's what we want man we want to see that young boy playing football and absolutely smashing it so on to another story from Marco and this is a big story. El Clasico. Yeah. And the headline is Barcelona takes a lively El Clasico against an unlucky Real Madrid. Now, I was watching this. Yeah. This game was absolutely fantastic. Now, before this game, a couple of days ago, Barcelona played Arsenal. And the, the manager of Barca, Javi, he used to sounded salty. Talking about. Oh, it's our first game in the preseason, and Arsenal were playing the Champions League final. It's that the intensity is too much for a friendly. Ah, whatever, man. Arsenal versus Barcelona. Everybody wants to win that. Who wouldn't want to win that? All of your Barcelona players would have wanted to beat Arsenal, and all of our Arsenal players want to beat Barcelona. Get out of here. Get out of here with that, Jeremy, man. And then the very next game they play, just a couple of days later, these lot are putting their foot in doing all kinds of tackles, running and running and running and like playing their best team. And he's saying, oh, the game against Arsenal was just friendly and the intensity was too high. Really? So the intensity isn't going to be high in classical. Get out, get out of here, man. But you know what? They absolutely smashed it in the classical. I'm not going to lie. It was a fantastic game. Both of the teams were going for it. Real Madrid had some really brilliant moments. Uh, Vinny Jr. was unlucky. I remember there was a moment when he was on the left and he was coming inside, he beat a player and he struck it and it kind of just hit the bar or the post or something, just hit the frame of the goal. It's unlucky. 
Um, Madrid are, you know, without Benzema up front, you're going to miss him, aren't you? Uh, they brought Jose Lu off the bench. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name correctly. Maybe it's Jose Lu. And uh, yeah, he missed an open goal. I want to say open goal, but the ball came in. He had a free header. And he missed the whole target. He didn't even get it on target. And a big man like him, like that's supposed to be meat and drink. He's supposed to be eating that up all day, every day. And he just completely fluffed his lines. So that wasn't a good start for him. Um, in general, with Madrid, maybe Gula could have helped them because they're playing um, Valverde as a winger these days, aren't they? And they had this strange setup with Vinny Jr. and Rodrigo up front, which... I'm not really sure if that's going to work. I mean, maybe it will against lesser sides, but against a team of Barcelona's quality, maybe more want a recognised striker. Maybe they just felt that Jose Luis wasn't ready to take a leading striker role for them, or I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But it was a great game of football, I tell you. Um, G. Bellingham made his debut. He was looking good for Real Madrid, the big £100 million man from England I'm going to enjoy watching him over there um, but Barcelona got the better of them and uh, there was an absolutely incredible goal from this youngster Fermin Lopez I'm just going to play a little clip of this right so Barcelona 1-0 up like 5 minutes left to go at this point in the game Madrid are throwing everything at them they're going hard to get back into the game Barca on the counter attack Fermin Bang! He just smashes it from the edge of the box. I was actually thinking, he's not going to shoot from there, is he? He's not going to... And then he just lets the thing go. And this boy has got one cannon on him. Like, that was an incredible strike. So, I'm looking forward to seeing him in the future. But I think they're calling him Fermin Lopez. Or, I don't know how to say that in a Spanish way. I won't... Uh, hurt your ears with a terrible Spanish accent but Fermin Lopez he might be one to watch and uh, it was a left foot strike so he might be a left foot player and you know me I do love a quality left footer so he's a player that I'm going to be excited about watching this season um, and that that's pretty much it man that kind of brings me to the end of the stories uh, there was one or two transfers that happened this week um, since we last spoke there's been a little bit of movement in England. I don't want to talk too much about Premier League and English football and stuff, do I? Um, but yeah, I already spoke about Jordan Henderson. That's a done deal. Um, Elanga has uh, left Man United and he's gone to, I think it's Notts Forest. Um, the one signing I'm excited about is Calvin Bassey because I was following him when he left Rangers to replace Martinez at Ajax right because Man United signed Martinez and Ajax needed another defender who can play left back and left centre back like what Martinez was doing and they signed this Calvin Bassi uh, Nigerian youth and um, yeah just one season in Ajax and now Fulham have said yeah we'll have him in the Premier League so I'll look forward to watching him week in week out next season that'll be fun and um, like he's a player that I like, man. But like, I don't think he's the best defender in the world. I'm not going to lie to you. He's not the best. Like, he's young and he's raw. Um, he's got some strength to him. He's got some aggression. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll get a face scan. So I'll be able to use him in FIFA and stuff. Yeah, I'm just really excited about seeing him develop, man. I think he's a good young player. 
I don't think he's going to be a world beater, to be honest with you. So a club like Fulham, that could be a good place for him to continue his development. And we'll see We'll see what happens there. Another interesting signing I like was Yunus Musa leaving La Liga and going over to Italy. He's uh, a young boy that came through the Arsenal youth system. I didn't even know that. I just read that earlier. I didn't even get an article for you guys, did I? So, um, unfortunately, you guys won't be able to read about that. Yeah, well, maybe I can search it up and put it in the notes retroactively. Um, but yeah, he's gone over to AC Milan. So, um, he'll be one that I'm going to be looking out for in the Italian league next season. Uh, also an American international. So, he should be playing for the US men's national team. And also Pulisic has signed for Milan as well. So, it's a double whammy. They've got two Americans in their squad over there at Milan. Um, wouldn't it be interesting if they also made a move for Fuller and Balogun? We know that Balogun's been listed by Arsenal. So uh, that would be interesting to complete an American trio of uh, Musa, Pulisic and Balogun. That would be interesting. But I've been, I've been rambling on for way too long. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to catch you guys on the next one. And for now, look after yourselves. Peace.